All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the most wonderful time of the year. If you're a scout or an NHL hopeful getting ready to get drafted, this is the weekend before the draft in October. Feels weird to say. And as always, before the draft, past couple of years, we've sat down with one and only Mark Seidel to talk about players, what's going on. But before we jump into that, Mark, I want to ask you how your day's going. It's good. How are you guys out there? Not too shabby. I mean... The COVID thing seems to be pretty well under control out east in this bubble, so we're trying to live life as normal as possible. Yeah, we are. Too. It's uh, certainly a strange time, but hopefully we'll get through this and we'll be happy and we'll get back to the norms and we'll see what happens. And speaking of the norms, uh, the news came down from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League um, about the new rules for fighting, and now there's a 10-minute major or a 10-minute misconduct, a 5-minute major, and if you're deemed the instigator, an extra two tacked on, then after your three fights, if you continue to do so, you'll get a suspension each and every time. Um, we'll talk about the Q um, rules first. What do you think of that, and do you think it's the right way to go, or is it something that if you remove or even temper you know, fighting in the junior leagues, when younger guys get into the NHL and they start mucking it up with guys who've been there and fought, you know, and there's not of an abundance of fighting, but it does happen. If these guys aren't prepared, doesn't that leave them at a disadvantage? Well, I think it does a little bit. I mean, I think we've seen certainly the move away from fighting and certainly in the, the Canadian hockey league. You know, I think uh, you look at what they've done in terms of lessening the fights and suspensions. So, you know, as far as Quebec goes, I think it became a negotiation, obviously. The government had leverage and, uh, you know, the league needs money. I mean, in this crazy time here with maybe no fans in the stands and uh, trying to get going and keep your business alive. I think that, you know, the Quebec Major Junior League looked at it and said, listen, we need to survive. And, and these rules aren't that, you know, I don't like them personally, but I understand them. Um, you know, and, and it's not that big of a difference. I mean, it's going to be an extra 10 for a guy that fights. Okay, that, that's a little bit of a difference. The two for instigating has always been there. And, you know, obviously, the five for fighting. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's reasonable. Um, you know, I'm not sure like the government dictating to hockey leagues how they're going to run and what rules they're going to play by, but I certainly understand the Quebec League's position and I understand the government's position and I think it's not the end of the world, but it is. You can see where this is all going. There'll be no fighting in, the, in you know, in, in any of the leagues very soon and you, know, you can debate whether that's good or bad, but uh, your point about guys getting nationally prepared is, is certainly one that I think from a scouting standpoint, you know, for us, we talk about how how much people, or how many, how much teams want to be that are physically kind of a Tom Wilson type, and we're not going to be able to identify those guys, quite frankly, just because you know we're not going to be able to see them play that style necessarily junior. And we've seen hitting be taken a lot out of the game already. And this is only going to add to it, so it's going to change things a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think the Quebec League had to do what they had to do. No, I, I agree. They had to do what they had to do to get the product on the ice and. You know, they had to bend to the will, unfortunately, of the government. Um, but I look at it, and I go back to, like I said, the disadvantage thing for me really really makes me a little bit bothered just in case, you know, it does happen. And a guy does get in a fight with a guy who's been in the league for a few years and is known to muck it up. And next thing you know, the young guy gets dropped because he isn't prepared for it. I'm wondering if we're going to see teams, not, not necessarily junior teams, but maybe NHL teams when they draft these players have uh, these guys do certain kind of training, whether it be boxing or even some guys have taken up like MMA-type training just to learn, you know, hand positions and things like that, how to protect yourself and when you're engaged in a fight. I mean, it's a little different when you're on skates and they obviously don't do that within, you know, the confines of a gym. 
Um, but do you see teams maybe catering themselves towards that to give these guys that opportunity to make sure that they're prepared just in case they get popped in the chops? Uh, you know, maybe, I guess. I guess teams will look at it differently. I think the other thing to consider is that even though, you know, there, there won't, there's still going to be some fighting in, in Major Junior. Uh, certainly the penalties are a little harsher, but there'll still be some. There's no doubt about that. And, and then also kids are going to work their way up. They're not going to go right from Major Junior right into the National League. So they're going to play in the American League and maybe East Coast League. And, and certainly it's still going to be, you know, the, the penalties won't be as, as severe there. So, you know, I don't think it's, it's that huge of an issue if you play that style and guys can understand it. But it may be a way teams might take that approach and try and get some uh, secondary training of some sort to help guys out for sure. Now, the other one was the uh, the OHL, obviously, is now in negotiations with the Ontario government, uh, trying to get their product back on the ice and obviously looking for fundage as well. Um, they want to be back on by November 1st, hopefully, if everything goes well. But the uh, Ontario government's asking for no body contact and, and no fighting, an outright fighting ban. Um, I don't know how you can do that, um, especially with these guys who are so you know ingrained in and hitting and grinding along the boards and doing all those different things, especially players that are getting ready to be drafted or put into the NHL or AHL or wherever they're going. Um, you know, those are huge development years. Um, the question I'll ask before I ask you about just the outright ban and what they're thinking of doing, would you see players maybe moving on from the OHL or, or asking to be traded to a different league or signing in a different league if they're drafted with an OHL team? Um, to be able to play in a league that allows hitting and fighting and all that different things in the body contact? Or what do you think is going to shake out from this if that's the way it goes? Well, first of all, I saw the reports just like you did and everybody else did yesterday. I think this is a negotiation. At the end of the day, this is the government negotiating with the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, you know, in a typical negotiation, the government, I think, kind of floated that idea. I can't see any way the Ontario Hockey League ever signs on for something that has no hitting. Certainly some, some more severe penalties for fighting, I can see. You know, I mean, I would think if you offered the Ontario Hockey League owners and, and Dave Brass the same deal that Quebec got, I think they would probably accept that. But when you talk about no hitting, now you're talking about the essence of the game being changed. And I mean, you're, now that's a, a significant mark change in the game. And I, I just don't see them ever agreeing to that. I mean, teams understand that, you know, you take some short-term money, but you may never, ever get a lot of fans back and you take that element out of the game. So... You know, I think people a little bit are overreacting to it. I don't think you're going to see real different rules across the CHL. So you're calling it your idea of teams going from one league or players going from one league to another. Uh, if it happened, that would certainly happen. But I just don't see there being different rules. You know, there'll be some, some maybe some slight differences, but I don't think there'll be any kind of where the Ontario League has no hitting in the Western does. Uh, so I, I think it's just a matter of a negotiation and the government's able to get some some feedback on it, and I think at the end of the day, I'd expect the UHL will probably end up with the same kind of deal with the Quebec League. Well, I'd be happy with that, and I go back to the fact of, you know, it's it's key development years, and if these guys are coming into the Ontario Junior Hockey League, you know, under the OHL, and they're playing there, and you know, they're not having these this time to to grow, and obviously they'd be, I I wouldn't say outshone, but I mean there'd be different difficulties for them going forward. I would say. Um, I look at this and I, and I look at the, the whole the whole situation with the Q League actually starting this weekend, uh, the OHL looking to start in November. Um, there can be no possible conceivable way that they do a Memorial Cup, do you think? Well, uh, you mean if, if the, the rules change or if the dates change? 
if the if the dates too well, the starting dates are definitely changing. Oh. Like I said, because the queue is going to yeah. go. Well, we'll shift away from fighting for now because you know we, we talked about that one. We yeah. know where we're going with it. But just to now talk about the the leagues and in general, and obviously we always come to a head at the Memorial Cup. But with the queue starting this weekend, I do believe the Mooseheads get on the ice and other teams as well. Um, but the OHL hasn't started yet, and they're looking to start in November. Um, is there a possible way, unless they, I guess, end the seasons at the same time? Or do you think they would scrap it all together and that's already a thought being bounced around? Well, the, the OHL is shooting for December 1st date now. Okay. Um, they're shooting for camps opening November 16th. So December 1st is, is best-case scenario for the OHL starting. Uh, and, yeah, there, I mean, if everything goes according to plan here, and, and this 2020, who knows if that happens, but, yeah, there's a plan to have a Memorial Cup in June in uh, either St. Maria or in Oshawa. So, um, you know, the UHL schedule, for example, and the Western League schedule will be compacted. Uh, they'll play longer, a little longer, obviously, than Quebec will play, but uh, they'll catch up to them, and, and there will be a Memorial Cup. But, uh, you know, just one last point I should have mentioned before when we talked about the fighting. People have to understand that, you know, this this virus is going to eventually go away. There eventually will be a vaccine, and we have to get back to real life. So, I mean, if they're asking, you know, if they're asking for significant changes to games, uh, you know, is that long-term, is that forever, or is that just until, you know, for this season? So, you know, that's why I think that it's a negotiation tactic. But, yeah, to answer your question, there will be a normal puppy or offshore or excuse me, I'm real hosted, and uh, the three leagues will uh, get together and, and make that happen. It'll be later than usual. It's usually in May, but it'll be pushed back to June this year. Well, that's something to look forward to, and obviously we're all looking for normalcy and striving for it, and you're right. I'll, uh, I'll touch on what you just said, too. You know, you want these changes. If they're going to be permanent, obviously they have to not take away from the game that we know and that we've watched forever. Um, you know, and if these uh, some of these things are only for a short term, uh, maybe they sign on and say, okay, we have to do this for this year because of X, Y, and Z, then maybe you look at that under a different scope. But you're right. If it's, if it's a permanent change, then what are you really taking away from the game? And are you ever going to get it back to where it was? And you won't if, if you start signing off on those things. So you're correct in that regard for sure. Yeah, well, we'll see. Like I said, it's 2020, brother, and you never know what's going to come down the road next. So. That's right. Spin the wheel. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I think we all just, uh, you know, I, I certainly know the guys are just excited to get going this weekend and uh, get that league going, and I know that everybody in Ontario and the West are chopping to bits, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, hopefully we can uh, we can keep continuing to knock down this the COVID and, and be able to get some normalcy back to our lives. No, that's, uh, that's the best way to look at it. And I mean, everything that keeps opening up, everything that keeps coming back, whether it be hockey or, you know, your favorite store opening or restaurant or whatever, you know, it's just a step in that right direction to make you feel like there's a silver lining, you know. The clouds are parting, the light is coming through. Just keep doing what you need to do to make it happen. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's perfect advice. So the times, like we just said, they are a-changing. So i got to ask you, you know, this is draft weekend a lot of young players are getting excited. You know, they were thinking of getting drafted in June. Obviously, you get pushed all the way back to October. Before we jump into talking about prospects, and I talked to you about this just before we came on, what is one memory that you have, whether it's a funny one, whether it's a serious one, or just one that kind of like just shocked you that it happened? Uh, do you have a draft memory on the top of your brain? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I guess probably one of the, one of the best memories is way back when Ryan Suter was drafted. The draft was in Nashville, and his family was staying in. Yeah. So the night before, we went and had a few cocktails and a few drinks, and they were fantastic people. And, uh, 
got to know them a little bit. I didn't I didn't know the kid at all. <laughs> After I knew them a lot, uh, so I didn't know him. And then uh, the, the night he drank, obviously, day, and then the next night we ended up back at that same hotel. And it's just you know, the Suter family indulged a lot more on the second night than they did on the first night. And, uh, they were fantastic people. His dad was a great guy. His uncle was a great guy. He went from being very demure and, you know, uh, ready for the draft to after when the draft, he ended up pretty good. So it, was a, it was a good time in Nashville that weekend. No, oh, that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. I love hearing, like, I like peeling back the curtains and hearing different stories like that. So that makes me excited. And obviously, draft weekend, a lot of people are getting excited, wanting to hear different things. Uh, my favorite one, it, it always goes back to, uh, it's Brian Burke. And Brian Burke, when uh, when he took Morgan Riley and uh, Gary Bettman asked him outright, you know, is that the player you wanted? And he's like, yeah, we had a number one, you know, and didn't even bat an eye. And the second one was, uh, I always bring it up, is the Nassim Kadri run. When uh, I think it was Ottawa's GM came over and asked if they were taking Kadri, and he said, "Yeah, we're taking Kadri," and it was what Ottawa wanted. So, I, I love the uh, the brashness of Brian Burke and the way that he pulled things off and did things. Uh, I always like those stories of the draft and getting to see those little in cuts when they do them, and you know, you're you're looking and listening and getting excited because your team's getting on the clock and you know something good's coming the way. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, this weekend we obviously know, and I hope that we know, that Alexis Lafreniere is going to go to the New York Rangers. Uh, first overall um, that helps the Rangers out hugely obviously another big talent to play along with Panarin do you see uh, Lafreniere jumping in right off the get-go or is he going to go back to the queue well I can tell you he'll jump right in the National League but I will tell you this I'm hearing lots of rumblings over the last couple of days and you know I spent a lot of time on the phone talking to people there's a, uh, there's a less than 50% chance but there is a chance that New York trades that pick, and, and you know we haven't seen the first pick traded in a long time. Um, and for rightfully so, generally it's a bad team that needs a superstar to come in. And I know the Rangers have called around; teams have called the Rangers about looking to try and get that pick. And the Rangers are looking for some more immediate help, a couple pieces maybe. You know, uh, the Jack Eichel rumors I don't I don't think are there. Uh, I think they have, but the discussions happen. But I don't think there's a deal to be made there. But uh, don't be shocked. I mean, I've never really said this in the last decade. I don't think, but it will not shock me if the Rangers trade that pick. They're they're already a very good team. Uh, certainly made the playoffs or made the bubble, anyways. And uh, you know they can get a couple pieces to help that team. Uh, you know, and another team can jump up and get Lafreniere. So uh, you know, if the Rangers take him or whoever takes him, yeah, I think Lafreniere will be in the NHL next year. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. He'll step in, and not only will he step in, I think he'll be he'll have a good year. I mean, there's some adjustment period, but I think Alexis is such a such a warrior and such a, a player that loves the game and plays so hard. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there'll be any uh, doubt about his ability to step in and have an impact on his team next year. Well, that's good for, for Alexei. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen the rumblings about New York possibly moving the pick, but I just never think with the first overall pick that a team is actually seriously going to move it. But you make a good point. If they can get a couple key roster pieces and a team that's on the upswing looking to rebuild a little bit, you know, can sweeten the pot and give them what they need. I'm just wondering who that might be. And, you know, the team in my mind that may jump out is uh, Jimmy Rutherford and the Pittsburgh Penguins maybe trading a Chris Letang and a forward piece and getting Alexei Lafreniere to go with Sidney Crosby and Jenny Malkin. Uh, yeah, I think they're, yeah, it's hard to see. All the issues is going to be money coming back, right? So that's going to be an issue that the Rangers are going to have. Lafreniere, you've got to call certainty for at least the next three years. So in that regard, he helps. So we'll have to see how it plays.
talk to people around the league is they wanted a Lafreni tackle and a pick. Wow. Um, so that's you know that's that's pretty significant. I can't that's why I can't see the Rangers making that deal necessarily. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly who it's going to be. I just I keep hearing teams are calling and from the Rangers answering. Generally, the team with the first pick answers and says no, we're keeping it. And I know the Rangers are exploring it. And and quite simply, it's because they just you know all they did was win the lottery. They had a decent year last year. They've got a good team. You know, it's not like a team that's rebuilding that has to have a centerpiece to build around. They just got capital tackle and they got a number of good young players. So in that regard, I think it's a matter of they'll take a look at it. Whether or not they end up doing it, we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in Alexis Lafreniere. Well, I want to touch on something you just mentioned there about uh, about Jack Eichel. I mean, is Buffalo serious or is he seriously wanting out of Buffalo? You see both sides of it. You see Buffalo saying no and Obviously, the camp for Eichel saying no, but there's a lot of a lot of smoke to the the Jack Eichel wanting out of Buffalo uh, situation. And I'm wondering, have you heard any definitively if he wants out or if he wants to stay or what's the deal there? I haven't heard definitively, but I do know Jack Eichel from his draft uh, year and about the normal. But this kid is as competitive as they come, and I think the losing in Buffalo is getting to him. Um, you know, I guess for a lot of young players and stuff. But you know, I think the, the constant uncertainty in Buffalo is having an effect on it. Now, you know, I don't think they can trade him. I, I mean, there's a, you know, he's a, a top 10 player in the National Hockey League, and I just don't see how to Buffalo you trade him. But, uh, you know, I think that there's certainly, both teams are exploring it. You know, I think Kevin Adams' job is to make calls to see if he can get, you know, perhaps that kind of a package with a team like the Rangers. Then you look at it and maybe decide if that's something you want to do down the road. So, I don't think either uh, Eichel isn't demanded it, and the Rangers are adamant on doing it, but I think there's certainly both sides. It wouldn't be disappointed if it happened either. So uh, we'll see how it goes forward. But at the end of the day, I just don't see how the Buffalo Sabres can trade Jack Eichel. He's just too good of a player, and, and you want someone to build around him. You're not going to get a better guy to build around than him. No, that's that's for sure. And you know, it just it goes back to all the different players you've seen come out of there and then go on and have success. And you know, you go Ryan O'Reilly and just players maybe not wanting to come there as well. You look at Ristolainen and being upset and. Uh, the list goes on and on, right? Robin Leonard, same thing. And I don't know. There, there's something in the water in Buffalo, and I hopefully they can change it around because there's nothing better than a competitive Buffalo team going up against the Maple Leafs, as we like on this side. So I don't know. We'll see what goes on for there. But when you go on in the draft, obviously the LA Kings are the second pick, and this is a big thing. And I've heard a lot of people say that they, they're leaning towards Byfield. Um, wondering for you, do they take Stutzla or do they go with Byfield? Well, I'm hearing... <clears throat> I'm hearing Stutzel, um, but I can't see how they pass him by. Um, and again, you know, I think I thought he was really fast. At this time, you, everybody lies. So if you hear a team loves this guy and they're going to take him, be very wary of it because everybody lies at this time of year. And they, you know, they may want, you don't want to try to trade up to get Byfield if they think uh, they're going to take him or, or Stutzel. So, uh, you know, I just don't know how to pass on Clinton Byfield, the 6 5 centerman that can skate. A big body that you know has all kinds of skill, does stuff in tight. Uh, I don't know how you pass on him. I mean, one of his comparisons is a comparison to Nancy Kopitar. Who better for getting by for the loan from Lincoln or uh, Kopitar? So, um, you know, I just don't see them passing on him. I, I do hear rumblings around the league that they do like stuff some more. He's more ready, he can step in. Um, but I, I just think on Tuesday night, I, I'll be shocked if they don't take Clinton Byfield at two. Well, I was um, speaking with Dennis Bernstein, who covers the LA Kings, and 
he had uh, indicated that he had a text conversation with Kopi, and Kopi said, you know, Byfield would be the guy that he wants. Uh, wants to play with, wants to learn, or teach, and all that stuff, and reminds himself of a lot of it. So that comparison you just talked about, uh, Kopitar sees it too, and he's very excited for Byfield. So I don't know how you uh, also go against the grain on your uh, your current superstar in your team and your captain and say, yeah, no, we're not going to go with that guy either uh, when he's beating down the door wanting him too. So it would be interesting to see. And then you got Ottawa, who now has the third overall pick, and, I mean, obviously Stutzel would be the guy they would take if it wasn't Byfield. Um, but to ask you outright, if if either player is available, which one do you think that Ottawa would more benefit from? And we talked about what Byfield brings, but what would better suit the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, I think I think Byfield. Like I said, if you can find those franchise sentiment down the middle, you know, one side, you can skate. You know, think Ryan Getzlaff potentially. You know, not as mean as Ryan Getzlaff, but you know that same kind of ability. I just, I just think you have to build down the middle, and we've heard over the years in the league, and I, it's something I believe in. You move from the back out, the center through the middle. So, you know, I think Byfield would be perfect for them. Listen, Stutzel's a hell of a consolation prize. They get him. He's a guy that's a very dynamic player, and add in with some of the other young players they have, he's going to be great too. But Byfield has a higher rating for us than Stutzel, and, and I think every team in the league, given the opportunity, should take Byfield ahead of Stutzel. You always want to take the best player that's sitting there when you're ready to make your pick. No, that makes 100% <laughs> sense. And, I mean, you look at the players that are available. There's, you know, after Alexa Lafreniere, then you have the, the other two, which is the next group. And then it gets a little bit jumbled. I mean, there's been rumors uh, for the Detroit Red Wings with the fourth pick that Cole Perfetti has been, you know, the guy that they're linked to and it's the guy they're taking and et cetera, et cetera. But a few mock drafts that I've seen have seen uh, Marco Rossi slide into that fourth spot. Um, wondering for you, I feel the Detroit Red Wings, do you go with the connection? Do you go with everything with Cole Perfetti and bring him into your organization? Or is there a better player available and would Marco Rossi fit that mold? Yeah, we released our mock draft uh, on Monday, Tuesday, I think we did. And we've got Rossi going there. And and with everybody else, I've heard all the rumblings. I've talked with guys in Detroit and uh, Perfetti seems to be you know, consensus that that's what everybody seems to think. But as I said, the last discussion, everybody lies at this time. It's yep. So, um, you know, I do Steve Eisenman is a big fan of Marco Ross. I know that Steve Eisenman has talked on numerous occasions to Andre Trudy, the coach in Ottawa. And Andre Trudy is an just and raves about how great Marco Ross is and how great he's going to be. So, we'll see. I mean, anybody that does his mock drafts and says, oh, I know what's going to happen. Rossi and Raymond were, you know, higher on people's list and a lot of things that I've looked at getting ready to talk to you, you know, they've had everyone above Perfetti at that spot, but I mean, obviously all the rumblings and everybody's heard them and all the links and different things that go towards Detroit, so we'll see what shakes out there. The The last pick in the top five I want to talk to you about obviously belongs to the Ottawa Senators right now um, and I'll talk about this before we jump on to the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they may do this draft. Um, you look at the Ottawa Senators, we just talked about Lucas Raymond, um, and now he would be available at five if those players fall into those positions we just talked about. 
Um, but there's a huge rumble out there that the Ottawa Senators are looking to move the fifth overall pick or you know get some more NHL-ready talent for their roster. Um, if you are the GM of the Ottawa Senators, Mark Seidel, when it comes draft day, are you drafting at number five of the Ottawa Senators or are you moving that pick? If I'm the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, uh, I'm probably, well, it depends on a couple of things. Uh, you know, I haven't had the, the in-person interviews. Gastrock kid has a chance to be a bench franchise goalie, and I think Ottawa's got some prospects in their system. Uh, whether or not they, you know, they think any of those guys can end up being starters and lead them deep into the playoffs is a different thing. I, I'm as confident as Jaroslav Alexanov has been on a goalie. In, I can't remember the last goalie I was this confident on. He's a guy who went into the draft and was a better draft grade from us than Kerry Price did at the same time. Wow. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's gonna become Kerry Price because Kerry, you know, improved a ton obviously from when he drafted this turned into obviously a three style Hall of Famer. And if you're saying at the same age, uh, and Kerry Price was phenomenal, Yaroslav Askov has a better week uh, rating from us than, than Kerry Price did. So that's that's how powerful we are. Uh, I think that if I was them, I think Lucas Raymond would be the guy I would take, probably, despite all that. It, you know, the goaltender isn't, isn't an issue that you want to address. So, you know, if I was them, it would probably be Lucas Raymond. Um, and, and Sam Jefferson. Jake Sanderson is a guy, you know, that uh, we've got a little lower on our list, but you know, I think they like a lot. He's a big stud defenseman that you know, is a second right we've got. So I didn't really answer your question. I guess if I was on the clock, uh, you know, I, I might go and take Lucas Raymond and, and walk away with, you know, steps on Raymond, and now all of a sudden I'm uh, I'm pretty good uh, up front along with all the other talent I have. No, if I was the Ottawa Senators, I mean, with the way that young, cost-controlled talent is uh, valued throughout the NHL, I'd be taking the pick. And we've already discussed today at nauseum here just for a few moments, but, um, you know, the, the players within that range – are definitely players that can help you, whether it be uh, this year or give them an extra year to grow. But they're definitely high-talent, high-mark players. But Askarov, I mean, there's so many different teams that could benefit from that goaltender. Um, do you honestly see him going that high? I mean, the, the last goalie taken that high was a guy you just talked about, was Carey Price. Um, you know, Spencer Knight was pretty close to that. But um, you're saying, you know, at the same thing, you have him a little bit higher than, than Price at the same age. Do you see teams passing on him? just because of the presence of uh, defenders or forwards or whatever they may need? Or is this one draft where if that goalie falls in your lap and you're laughing, you pick him? Well, I mean, here's, here's my philosophy on it, and that is that if you have a chance to get a franchise goalie, a guy that can lead you for the next 10 years and obviously deep in the playoffs and hopefully the Stanley Cups, I don't see how you pass on them. And goalies, certainly there's a lot of question marks with them. But you know what, there's question marks with forwards and defensemen as well. I mean, this kid has done everything you want him to do. And, you know, your listeners might go back to the World Juniors where he had a bad week, which he did have a bad week, and there's no doubt about it. But, but short of that week, I mean, he's in the, he's in the KHL right now, dominating uh, against 30-year-old men and some really good players in the KHL. I mean, this kid is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's a goalie genius, has a chance to be a franchise guy. Now, no, I don't think he gets outside the top ten. I think, uh, you know, again, it's, it's one of those situations where teams are going to have to sit and really discuss it. But, uh, you know, when you get down, if, if Ottawa doesn't take him, I think Jersey takes him. If, if not, the lowest he goes is Carolina, I think. Um, but uh, I don't expect him to get out of the top ten. I think the team is going to say, you know what, this kid has a chance to, to lead us for the next decade, and, and we're going to take the shot on him. 
Well, that just leads to my next question. I was very hoping you'd say maybe he slips until 15 where the Toronto Maple Leafs draft. Um, I want to ask, you know, there's a lot of rumblings about the Maple Leafs in the 15th overall pick and the fact they may package that and try to get someone's rights or try to uh, acquire some D-help or something on their squad. Um, before we ask who you, who you think the Maple Leafs may take at that position, do you see them holding on to the pick? Or are you hearing a lot of rumblings about that pick being moved out? Well, I think Kyle is spending about 20 hours a day on the phone, you know, not only talking with the draft and the 15th pick, but you know, all of the other things that are going on in the league trades and stuff like that. So there'll be certainly be discussion. You know, it, it's a tough question. I get asked it a lot. You know, it, it just depends who's there. Do I think he'll trade it, uh, you know, sort of Monday night before uh, the night before the draft? No, I don't. I can't see him trading that pick beforehand. Now, if he gets to 15 and the guy that he wants or they want are gone, or they think the guy they want is going to slide, they may trade it. But, uh, you know, right now, if I was a betting man, I would think they'll take somebody with it. Um, who that might be, again, it just depends who slides in a draft like this for so many high-end guys at the top. There are going to be some people that slide. There'll be a couple surprises. It always happens. So there might be somebody there that they, that they had no idea was going to be there. But, you know, I think a guy like uh, Braden Schneider is a guy that comes to mind, you know, as a guy who, should probably be there or, or should be in around that range. You know, he's a big right shot, deep, physical kid, strong, can skate. Um, you know, he certainly is a guy that, you know, they obviously have a shortage of right shot defenseman in the organization, so he fills that role a little bit. But, you know, I think he's probably going to be one of the best players sitting there when they pick. So, you know, he's a guy they could look at. You know, Hendricks Lapierre is a guy who has top five talent. Um, kid out of Quebec who, who really does. You know, he was the first overall pick. He's been unbelievable when he's played. Uh, he's had some concussion and some back issues, which is guarantees big time. But you're talking about a guy, if he was completely healthy, we'd have been talking about him in that top five, maybe where Ottawa picks, with his skill set and his ability. Um, big centerman that, that can do a lot of things and has great offensive instincts, but there is a risk with him from an injury. So, so those are two guys, certainly, that, you know, I think, I don't know if they take a lap here. I think it's a big risk to take him with some of those injuries. But, you know, Kyle Davis likes to shoot for the stars here. He, he said it before. He's trying to get players to win a championship, not just win around in the playoffs. So, you know, maybe they go that route. But Brady uh, Schneider would be a perfect fit for them as they go forward. Well, for me, I hope they keep the pick. Um, and I hope that they do what Kyle Dubas always does and sees a player that they want and trades, you know, up the draft or down the draft, however you want to say it. Um, and the player that I really hope the Toronto Maple Leafs do have an inkling to take, um, and I asked you about him before we jumped on, was uh, from the Quebec League, from the Halifax Mooseheads, Justin Barron. I'm really high on this kid. Um, his defensive IQ is great. Um, he's a leader. He's just been named the captain of the Halifax Mooseheads. Um, he's had some injury issues. He's had uh, the blood clot issue. Um, but I think that if he was healthy and everything was good, we'd also be talking about him potentially in the first round as well. Um, do you see that as being a player the Toronto Maple Leafs would go after? Um, and where do you see Justin Barron going in this draft? Well, I think, you know, certainly with his recent procedure and, and being out indefinitely, I think that puts a lot of, of pall on teams as to what they're going to do with him. You know, Justin's a guy that we've got rated 26th overall, even though he had the injuries. So that speaks to how highly we, we think of him. But much like Lapierre, it's a scary thought when you're going to use a first-round pick on a guy and you don't know his medical future. You don't know if there's going to be lingering effects and you don't know exactly how he's going to come back from these injuries and surgeries. So, you know, I, I think I will. Second round, I think he's just too good of a player. I think a team is going to say we're willing to take a shot here 
even with his health issues, much like Lapierre. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think the Leafs would be taking him at 15. I'd be shocked. Could they trade down and get him? Sure, I think they would. But uh, this is a kid with a really, really bright future. And he's just unfortunate. He had a few injuries that have really caught up to him. Well, I'm looking forward to see where Justin Barron goes. I'm looking forward to seeing where these players fall out during the draft. It's always great to get to talk to you. Before I let you go, um, you know, I had a, a scout who had been with the league for a very long time on just a couple of weeks ago, and his name escapes me at the moment. But um, he told me a story about, you know, when he was sitting around the table and they're asking him, you know, what do you think the, uh, you know, your pick is and who would you like? And he was beating the drum for a goalie you might have heard of named Ryan Miller. And, uh, you know, all the other scouts went out and seen him and looked at him. And, you know, they all came back with the same thing that, no, no, he's not going to be our guy. And, you know, he's, this guy was beating the drum. You know, you want, I want this player, I want this player. But it didn't come to be. And obviously Ryan Miller went on and had eight shutouts the next season in the NCAA. And we all know the player he became. For you, I'm wondering, has there ever been a player that you've had your eye on that, you know, you said this guy is going to be a guy and, you know, you kind of put your Mark Seidel stamp on him and everybody else didn't seem to see what you saw, and then he ended up being exactly what you thought he would be? Jeez, uh, another great question for you. Um, you know what, I guess the guy that probably comes to mind, and, and he's, he's played well recently, is Corey Perry. Um, certainly in his draft year, you know, I had Corey Perry third on my list overall. Uh, he fell obviously into the 20s, and I, I just loved him. I loved the way he played. I loved really a lot of the things you doing to win, the ability to score, and he was the guy that, you know, I ranted and raved about, much like the scout you're on about, uh, <clears throat> and really pushed for. Now, it wasn't that big of a, a surprise. A lot of teams had him down in that range, and he obviously fell into the 20s, but he was a guy that I really, really felt strongly as we watched him every night. Um, just keep getting better, when, and you could just see that he was going to translate into the National League and be a star, and, you know, unfortunately... Uh, you know, we weren't able to draft them, and, and excuse me, and I did. But uh, you know, those happen every once in a while. There's, you know, you should ask the story sometimes. You get guys on these guys that you love that uh, you pounded the table for and turned, didn't turn out because there's lots of those as well. It's a, it's a tough business. But you know, to answer your question, Corey Perry would probably be that guy that you know I, I pounded for and loved, and, and obviously we, we didn't get him, but uh, it's turned into a great NHL player and a future Hall of Famer for sure. No, he definitely is, and obviously no. Uh... No snubs there. He's just on the Dallas Stars with the Stanley Cup run they had, right, and trying to capture the cup and just came up short. So he's definitely no sludge of a player, and we all know his antics on the ice and how he gets under people's skin but also can uh, rack up the points and the goals, maybe not in his later years here, but definitely an effective NHL player. Well, and as, as you're saying that, all that does really is make me feel old because I remember him <laughs> as, a, as a prospect in the OHL draft, and uh, that was – or not early, even midway into my career. So all it really does is make me really feel old, but uh, that's, uh, that's all right. That's okay. I, I'm sorry. I'll be quiet now, and I will say, Mark, I appreciate every time you come on, we have a lot of fun talking about different things, and there's always seems to be some sort of big news just before you come on, and obviously we talked about the, uh, the fighting in the O and the Q. So now we see what everything shakes out and everything gets back, but my friend, I hope you stay safe and everything goes well, and... Uh, Look forward to seeing your coverage of the draft and seeing what you uh, shake out from your lists. Well, I appreciate it. You guys do a great job. As I told you before, I, uh, I love the podcast. That's a great work. But you two stay well, and I uh, hope to see you in the ring soon. For sure, my friend. Will you take her easy? Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Take care. Bye. 
All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, part one of the Super Draft Special. That is Mark Seidel sitting down talking about the picks one to five. Obviously, Askarov and some other players, and then we delve into the Maple Leafs. All right, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. (laughs) 